guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. A fun episode for you guys today. It's always fun a here. Fun, it's always fun here. It's fun a- episode. Yeah, that's basically what we were doing earlier, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we got a little, maybe a little out of control. I brought that. <laughs> Before we get to that, I want to just let everybody know that the uh, this news episode is brought to you by our favorite listeners, our Patreon members. This would not be possible without you. We really appreciate that you uh, that you hang with us, support the show. It's only five dollars. That's right, five bucks. Patreon.com slash Overcrest. You can support the show and get exclusive content and access to merch, which is what we did right now. We've got um, some new, new T-shirts new on t-shirts sale that are actually are right now. Awesome. Right now, those are available for Patreons with a twenty percent discount right now. So that's awesome. Which is worth well, that's like, a big discount it too. Is actually, a huge discount. Uh, I mean, that basically, not only do you get it first, which they might. Actually, just sell out on yeah, Patreon. Yeah, they might because there's not that many of them. That's a really limited edition run. Very small run of shirts. Anyway, support the show. Support the creators you love. If it's not us, support someone else. Just make sure that you are giving a little bit to somebody that is out there creating content that you enjoy. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, last, so last week, I decided I wanted to make a little video. Okay, well, car. first of all, it's still nice out here in Minnesota it so in was, December. It was, like, well, it was 52 yesterday, Chris. 52 okay. degrees out. That's nice. Great. So I'm driving my car around. Right. That's the point. Usually it'd be at half a foot of snow on the ground. It's salt. So you can't drive your old whatever it is. Right. In this well, case, I'm not old 911. much because of, you know, COVID everywhere. So I'm not driving around that much True. anyway. But I do get to take the car out every once in a while. And last week, went to hang out with my buddies down at the shop. Um, SCI Performance, which is a friend of mine's shop. Great shop if you live in Minneapolis. Free plug for him. Awesome guy. We've been hanging out there for... Um, you around, have your, your H.O.T. night. Yeah, we call it H.O.T. It's hangout time. It's where uh, me and a few of my buddies have been getting together. I've been going there for about 15 years. Those guys have been doing it for well well over that. Wow. So it's this really tight core group of dudes. And I'm like, I drove. I'm like, I want to I wanna drive the 911 down there. So uh, I did. Okay. And, but <laughs> before I did, I made a video. I'm like, I w- let me preface this by saying I, I wanted to use a different video of a 911 revving. Yeah. And the owner of the video wasn't too thrilled about me using it. He's like, oh, that wasn't really for public consumption, whatever. Oh, interesting. And okay. I was like, okay, well, I'll just make my own. Right. So I set up the camera, started my car up, and started, and I made my little video, which, wubba, is, wubba. which is now got a gajillion views on, on Instagram. Everybody's probably, that listens has probably seen it. And I took the filters off to do this, you know, so you could see the velocity stacks. Yeah. 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 I mean, the velocity stacks are awesome. They look right. beautiful. They're spun aluminum. They're great. I have, I have, a, the PMO ones are a little smaller. Okay. These are a little, you know, bigger, a little bit more visually appealing. Probably work. Oh, so you swapped out your velocity stacks? I bought used PMOs. They came with them. Okay. I know. So they're a little bit. The velocity stacks are a little taller. I gotcha. Than what's one. supposed to be. And they're on taller there. than what's on your or a Weber too. Yeah, Zenith not by a Weber's. lot. Maybe 20, 30 millimeters. Not like a lot taller. Okay. They're they're not because little changes, as we'll talk about, make make a big difference. Right. And I, you know, I made the video or whatever, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I want to hear what this thing sounds like under load. Right. Actually driving around. And, okay, here's my thing. I would not think, because these cars with the carb set up on these, they have what is very unrestrictive K&N air filters. doesn't matter what type of air filter is, but it's it's an open element filter just sitting on top of the engine. Right. Like, you wouldn't think it'd be that restricting or that it would muffle the sound that much. <laughs> but apparently it does! It's wild. I went and got on the freeway and opened it up, and it was the most incredible auditory experience I've ever had in a car. I, I know it's my car. That's like saying, 
to say to your kids, oh, you're a really good looking kid. I love you so much. <laughs> no, but this is this is real. My car sounds awesome. It sounds, it sounds pretty good. Absolutely incredible. And wh- when you got here today, I said, hey, let's. And the problem is, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do this. I just drove down to the shop, drove it home. I was going to put the filters back right. on. Right. Because it's dangerous. Yeah. You can, you know, as I was saying, oh, your, your cylinder walls are going to look like there was a cat in there scratching I its know, way and out. I've done that before by this is. By this exact, exact thing? same situation, <laughs> but that that was on a front engine car with a velocity stack sticking out of the front of side draft carburetors pointed mm-hmm. out the front grill. Right. Okay. So it's a little Where, bit different. Where, as I was telling you, right, and you're like, well, it's a rear engine car, so it's not going to see as much dust. Oh, all the dust that the front wheels are kicking up that travel over the top of the car and down into the engine. There's no dust out there right now. Super. It's it's. There's no dust in the world. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're telling I, yourself that. I know. So I, I was going <laughs> to. You're drive. just trying to find an excuse that like can keep running without. No, filters. no, 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 no. I do not want to keep running without them. I know it's extremely okay, dangerous, but, and especially on an engine that costs like twenty thousand dollars. Right. So, so anyways, you're on your way down here today in the 911, and got on the freeway again. Was like, oh, I forgot to put the filters on. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> and I got down here. You came in. I'm like, hey, do you want to go for a velocity stack ride? <laughs> And how was it? Uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. I think the best compliment I can tell you. So we both have the M&K muffler, which is loud yeah. and sounds Do we great. have the exact same muffler? Yes, we do. Okay. Mine is the updated version, but it's the same model. They're, they're loud. They're very loud. They sound very good. And the best compliment I can give you is I didn't hear that muffler at all. You can't hear it. All I heard was intake noise from the velocity stacks. And it's like, or the, as you would say, the trumpets. Yes. Yeah. And it's different if you don't know intake noise. Because I, up until a while ago, I guess I couldn't discern or understand. If you haven't had a naturally inducted, like open stack, some sort of engine with just, I don't know, intake noise is very different than exhaust noise. Well, yeah. It's absolutely. a roar. Yes. Some people, I feel like, don't know the difference well, or what it sounds like. One side air is going in, the other <laughs> side air is going out. Right. How do you describe the sound difference? Um,. I, I have no idea. I right? Guess, That's what I'm talking about. Um, one it prob- is very distinct. One has particulates in it, right? So it has all kinds of, you know, exhaust fumes. And it's, the other one is just the sound of the air being sucked into the uh, in, uh, into the velocity yeah, stack. Audibly, is, you can't smell particulates. I don't think the air coming out of the engine is breaking the sound barrier like the air that's going in, which is moving faster than the speed of sound inside the throat of the carburetor and the velocity stack. It I think can it's be, moving, yes. I think it's moving much, much faster. It has a very distinct and different sound is what I will say. So you wanted to get a little bit into, and we had in the past, but describe a little bit the purpose of right. velocity stacks. It's not just to look cool, these cool trumpets on the top right. of your intake. Right. They, it's, it's a technology that um, it, it, it complicates things, right? So you have, <laughs> the reason that you have an intake manifold on mm-hmm. your car is because you can completely simplify the tuning process because you have one throttle body and then you have basically what is amounts to one engine. Or think of an old V8, you know, you have a single carburetor right. on top of all of the different Intakes right, which in is the still cylinders. basically a single throttle body. Exactly. If, if you think about it. I mean, you might have different throats in that, but it's you still You could have like, a four barrel, but it's still a single entry point. Correct. And what I'm thinking is that you have uh, an intake manifold. Now, you can tell me if, if I'm wrong. Is you have an intake manifold, which is sucking in the air, and then the injectors go... The injectors are individual, of course. Right. Um, although not I, all the time. Not all the time. No, but, the original... Uh, I don't even need yeah, to go there. <laughs> we don't <laughs> even go there. <laughs> Let me tell you. So typically... Uh, this just reminds me of the lady from this 
well-known social media corporation for that I spent a lot of time working on articles for uh-huh. that I said, well, there's really only one type of four-cylinder engine in modern cars. And she sent me an email back that says, well, it says right here that Honda made a V4. I'm like, what are you doing? Do you really need to talk about the most obscure stuff in this buyer's guide that I'm writing for you guys? So you don't want me to go in depth about no, single port we, point we injection? Anyway, so it's it simplifies things, right? Mm-hmm. But it is not as... Um, it's not as you can't get as much power from it when you have a carburetor with four That's individual. Technically, not true, Chris. What? What's not true? You can get the same amount of power. Its responsiveness is actually where it differs uh, for individual throttle bodies. I would disagree with you, mainly because you cannot run when you have an intake manifold. Mm-hmm. You can only run a certain amount of camshaft duration and lift because of the way that the compression will build up in the intake charge. You can actually get compression that comes, you lose, if you run super heavy cams, you actually lose compression in the motor. You're talking about cam overlap. Right. You lose compression and that, where's that compression go when it's lost? Well, you have overlap. So some of it does, of course, go back into the intake. And it, which is disturbing the air charge in the intake. So you cannot run. That is no different than individual velocity stacks on individual throttle bodies. It absolutely is because an individual throttle body in that velocity stack, what's happening in that velocity stack is not affecting the charges of the other uh, carburetors. When you have an engine with a with an intake manifold on it, it's basically one engine. You right? do realize you have, that. The, let me finish. Oh, I when know. You ha- when you have a carburetor, you have individual throttle bodies. You, if you have it on a six cylinder, you, you essentially have six little bitty engines that are running. <laughs> six, six, <laughs> six single piston engines running. Right. I understand you're separating the intake track, but you realize there are individual plenums still inside any intake manifold, right? And so the plenums are acting like individual throttle bodies. It's just that they but all it's merge. still sharing a common intake charge. And this is evident by what happens yes. with CIS. So when you have a CIS car, you have the intake manifold, and then you have a metering plate. And CIS is Bosch CIS, it's right. continuous injection system. Right. So it's kind of like electronic MFI, right? If you want to think about it. So there's you're always having this, the fuel pressure going to the injectors, and then there's a metering plate that measures the air that passes through the metering plate, and as this little metering plate with a little weight on the other side right. goes up, as you introduce more air to the intake charge, even CIS though had intake individual plenums. Well, of course it has different plenums, but what you're not understanding- Plenum length. Let me get to my point of what what I'm saying. And then I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. This is a fact. This happens. You can only run uh, the lift of your camshaft that you can run in a CIS car, for example, is is limited. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it's limited is because the intake charge gets disturbed and it starts manipulating that metering plate. Correct. It doesn't stay consistent because you're disturbing the intake charge. <laughs> right. And when you have individual throttle bodies, that's not happening. Okay. What if you had individual throttle bodies that each had its own metering plate on it? It still wouldn't work with a big overlap cam. So you're saying just because they're separate. So yes, we understand why CIS is bad for resonance tuning, which is what you're going to get to is resonance tuning of plenum length. However, you can have resonance tuning inside a shared intake plenum as long as they have individual or a shared intake manifold, as long as they have individually tuned plenum length. Which Case is what BMW point, did. BMW has an infinitely variable intake plenum length. The uh, Volkswagen R32 or all the Mark IVs with right. uh, the VR6, they had a dual length plenum you that's still have tuned. More, but you still have more versatility with individual throttle bodies. And there are advantages, but I'm not saying just, oh, it's always more power with individual throttle you bodies. You can get more power. There's more tuning potential. You can do exactly what you want with individual throttle bodies. Think about 
the equal runner situation where the last runner in the cylinder head is way over here. Right. It, it, the air travel, unless it's an extremely ridiculously well-designed intake manifold. Which many are, but like yes. Modern stuff for sure, right. yes. The, it's kind of like having equal length exhaust. You want to have all that stuff be the same length. And when you have the runner all the way over at the end, cylinder number four right. is, is going to suffer compared to cylinder number one. Yes. When you have individual I, butterflies, you can tune each one particularly for the task at hand. So, yes, on a grand, in general, individual throttle bodies are better for tuning so in general, and performance. I'm right. In general, but I just wanted to get technicalities that it's not the fact that it's individual plenums. It's the fact that it is the plenum length, and that is what causes the resonance tuning which if you want to get into that finally, that's what causes the power. Well, let's talk about how the intake charge works a little bit. So I looked, uh, did a little bit of research and ate up motor and then, oh, this is like an ancient article about uh, about early 60s Dodges and how nice. the in char intake charges work. Yeah. So it's a really, really good explanation of why these, uh, uh, how the intake charge works and how it might affect something like a velocity right. stack or an intake runner or plenum, as, Correct. as as you seem to love so much. Um, when an engine is running, the downward motion of the piston during the intake stroke creates engine vacuum that draws the air-fuel mixture into the cylinder. However, as we've noted, uh, well, we didn't, but they did somewhere else, apparently, the intake, valve, <laughs> the, the intake valve is closed more often than it is open, which causes what to happen, right? The air stops. Right. It and immediately slams... I, into that intake valve, it completely stops, and, and the vacuum stores um, stops moving. Which think with a carburetor, of think that, of a marathon of runners, okay, and they're all running, and all of a sudden you put a brick wall in front of them, they're all going to jam up. That's right. That is exactly what I'm picturing. It is. It is like that with but with fuel. If right. the incoming mixture reaches the valve at a point when the valve is closed, the leading edge of the onrushing mixture will stop abruptly as it hits the closed valve, building up pressure that eventually forces the mixture back up the intake runner. Right. So you have all this air or whatever volume of fluid or fuel it is, is coming at the velocity. And then it hits this brick wall that is the intake valve, the back of the intake valve. And, then, and it creates a pressure wave because you yep. have all this inertia of that air that was moving. this is one moving. of the things you hear. This is one of the things you hear. You I think believe. so? I think it is. I think that that sound is some of the, some of the part of what Regardless. you're hearing from a velocity. Um, so you have this pressure wave. The pressure wave then bounces back up because it has nowhere else to go against this brick wall. So here's what's interesting though. You need to, to um, dis make a distinction between the actual volume of the air. The air itself is not pushing back up. It is the pressure wave within the air right. that is moving then back up yeah, at it becomes, the it speed of sound. It starts oscillating. Basically right. what's happening is the valve opens and closes. Right. So you have this oscillating wave, pressure wave, at the speed of sound traveling up and down the intake plenum. The wave dissipates once it opens up, the plenum opens up or the velocity stack opens up with that little bell curve on the yep. top. That's where it dissipates and then re-causes it to go back down. Right, so if the valve is open, when the newly pressurized intake air reaches that end of the runner, the mixture will be forced into the cylinder at higher than atmospheric pressure, just as if the engine were using a mechanical supercharger. As with turbocharger or a supercharger, this supercharging effect called resonance supercharging allows more air and fuel to be packed into the cylinder, producing more power. Naturally, resonance supercharging only provides a benefit at the points where the compressed mixture reaches the intake valve at a point where the valve is open for business. Therefore, the supercharging <laughs> only occurs part of the time at certain engine speeds versus something where a supercharger is actually constant pressure. For all the primary 
uh, resonance frequency waves. Yes. However, there are ways you can get second and tertiary level pressure waves. This is getting way in the weeds with resonance tuning. But for the sake of argument, there's basically only one point in the rev range at which this phenomenon happens. Now, it's not and an that, exact yes or no. Can, that's what you can tune with velocity stacks. Exactly. Where that happens it is, by the length of the runner. Yes. So again, it's speed of sound. So the longer it has to travel, the longer it'll take for that to happen. So if you want it to be lower rev range where you have this resonance supercharging effect to happen, you have a long plenum right. or intake runner or Which velocity Which gives you stack. power down low. Right. Whereas it'll take much less time to go a short distance. And so that's high revving engines use short velocity stacks, relatively speaking, for higher resonance supercharging Which effects. is why I think you saw, like when you look at... Um, the stuff with the Can-Am cars, yeah. they have these huge, tall, massive The V8s especially. Because they're not high-revving engines. Exactly. So they need that extra torque. However, do you remember our episode on the Mazda 787B, yeah, we're, the we're, rotary car? That thing's awesome. They had infinitely variable, massive trumpets. They were two feet long, these velocity stacks, and they would physically slide inside each other like a trombone. Awesome. So it was always running. Yeah. at the optimal resonance length. And uh, it makes me want to try different size velocity stacks because I look at the stuff that was the, uh, if you look at the 911 RSR or slide throttle stuff, high butterfly MFI, they have velocity stacks that are three times as tall as the ones that I have. However, I don't think, I have to, I'll have to measure because it worked, when you measure this stuff, it's the whole length. Correct. All right, so it's from the cylinder head because to the top of the velocity stack. This but I only have a carburetor works. body. I have a carburetor body. Yeah. Slide throttles don't have a carburetor body to deal Interesting. with. Interesting. That's because you think about that length that the carburetor is. Yeah. That's part of because your Because keep charge. in mind, this resonance frequency, the supercharging only works when your throttles are full throttle, when they're out of the way. If right. you have any sort of throttle, it deflects that pressure wave and doesn't work effectively. Right. So at full throttle, your entire plenum from the top of where the trumpets open yep. to where the valve face is yeah that is your resonance frequently length right right so in, i might have uh this high or however high for an intake manifold then i have the carburetor body right and then i have the velocity stack if you think about mfi you just have intake manifold velocity stack or slide throttle is slide throttle intake what's manifold, also interesting when you talk about resonance tuning and this is the reason that slide throttles are a thing is because even at full throttle you still have the cross section of mm -hmm. the butterfly valve Slide throttle on old There's Porsches, enough. it literally slides out of the way. Yeah, it's it's just wide open, just yep. just goodness. It's that was a long tangent, Chris. That's okay. That's what we do here. That's <laughs> um, what about you? Talk about things we don't know what we're talking about. So have you put a put your car on a hoist yet? No, because installing this lift is hard, <laughs> and so is my concrete, Chris. Well, that's concrete is hard. That's so that's well known. But this house is from 96. They have so harder concrete back no, then the, or something? The concrete gets seasoned over time. Oh, it does. Okay. Yes. So it's actually harder over time. If you installed this lift on a house that's like three years old, it would not be as hard to drill into the concrete as my house. Uh -huh. And this is a phenomenon. When you drill those holes in very hard concrete. So are you going to put that when you sell your house? Or are you going to be like, well, well, well seasoned, seasoned concrete. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. That's a selling. You know what? When Okay. That's funny because when we bought our house, it had this stupid little plastic tray under the kitchen sink and it was listed on the listing as a feature it was like under sink like slide out storage tray our house had 
enjoy <laughs> enjoy sunrets, sunsets and sunsets from the east and the west. So we have <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least you know the sun sets at your house. And and on both sides yeah, of the world. I, yeah. I guess so. Um okay, so anyways, but so you, when you drill you had, to, you had to oblong out the did you First have, of all, I oblonged that one out. That yeah. worked. Do you know how I did it? And this actually ties into this part of the story too, is luckily we drilled all the way through the slab to the base um, gravel because I wanted to know how deep the slab was, right? Yeah. So rather than just drilling the four or five inches that it required, we went all the way through yeah. and saw, okay, it's six inches, just a more than six inches. What that allowed me to do then is because I already put that anchor in the one that wasn't lined up and those expansion anchors are impossible to pull out usually. Yeah, they're just in You there. can't come up. So what I did is I pounded it down past the concrete into the gravel and just drove it into the gravel and then put a new anchor in its place from the top. Okay. After I oblonged the hole. Yeah, yes. I see what you're saying. Um, that's not where I'm going with this though. Where I am going with this is when you drilled those holes out, it basically polished the hole because the concrete is so hard, yep. you're basically polishing it. What that happened to do then is the mechanical concrete acres were pulling out Aww. because they can't bite on the hole because it's too polished. And I did a ton of research on this because let's face it, doing it wrong could be deadly yeah. in this instance. Yeah, you don't want these pulling deal. out. And apparently this is a fairly common problem. Did you, did you call Harbor Freight for some advice? I did not. <laughs> they would be the ones not to call on this. Um, it is a fairly common problem. And unfortunately, these expansion acres are virtually impossible to extract, as I said, unless you drill all the way through, which we did to establish thickness. Apparently, a lot of installers that professionally install these will do that every time. Even if they don't need to, they'll go all the way through because then if they screw up, they can tap that anchor through and basically insert a new one. It, yeah. So that's the way to do it. Um, and then while I was looking at, okay, well, how do you fix this problem? If one anchor goes in and pulls out, I ordered different anchors. It's some super glue. That's all you need. Yes. Yeah. Super glue it. Yes. Really? Actually, actually, <laughs> actually, no. So, um, it's called epoxy concrete anchors and engineers say this is actually better than mechanical concrete anchors. And here's the reason why mechanical anchors, when you think about it, they need, let's say a hundred foot pounds to actually hold tight. So if you've ever used these, you pound them in and then you tighten them and that's what causes it to basically expand in the it's hole. A, it's a stretch. Bolt it's pulling, it's pulling on itself. And that tension is what keeps it tight in the concrete. Sure. So when you have, let's say a hundred foot pounds or so, just to keep them secure, that put low, puts load on the concrete even before you load the structure that's loading. Okay? okay, so it's undue load on the concrete. With this specialized epoxy, they've gotten to the point where the concrete will crack before the epoxy lets go. So it is stronger than the concrete so if you it's put a going car on into. No, because I'm waiting on these stupid, okay, because, so then I'm like, okay, epoxy, that's what I do. And then I'm trying to research, like, where can I get this epoxy? Lo and behold, Max Jacks, the manufacturer, the place that I ordered this. They just sell the stuff. They sell the stuff. So basically, I did a ton of research and wasted my time when I could have just asked Call them, them and, and they would have been like, oh yeah, that's no big deal, just buy these. So I bought those and they'll be here soon. Okay, sounds good. All right, before we get into our news, what have we got? Yeah, let's talk about our sponsor, Akin. Akin Driving Gear was founded by true enthusiasts who create everyday gear that celebrate the act of driving. Case in point, driving shoes like I have here. Now, most driving shoes are designed for track days, like true driving shoes. They're made for race car drivers. Yep. And race car drivers don't just walk around a lot. They're very uncomfortable. They don't hold up to daily use. And Akin wanted to change all that. 
since every drive deserves a good shoe. You shouldn't be sitting there in a boot or a Birkenstock when you're driving, Chris. <laughs> Their shoes are more versatile than racing shoes, but are far better for driving than your simple running shoe. They feature a rounded heel for more comfortable foot movement to the pedals and the heel toe guard prevents scuffing. So be sure to check out their shift driving shoe along with all their other apparel. They have some cool t-shirts at akindriminggear.com. That's A-K-I-N gear.com. Be sure to use the code OVERQUEST while you're there and that'll get you free priority shipping in the U.S. All right. So remember talking about Mr. John Haynes? We did. We did a a little segment. Yeah. Got a little update on what's going over on it, uh, on over at Haynes. Um, About two months after he died, Haynes was acquired by InfoPro Digital. Uh, which that is a terrible company already. I'm, I already don't like the name. Among many other things, InfoPro Digital says one of the services is to provide solutions for the automotive aftermarket industry to optimize and digitize its functions and business processes, which is just a bunch of like garbage <sighs> words that John it's marketing made. speak for basically getting rid of hard goods. Yeah, is so, what I'm reading. Um, if you want to make um, a manual for new cars. Digital is the only way you're going to be able to do it. Really? Here's what, uh, let me get into it. It's not the end of the road for Haynes. Uh, this is a response from them because a bunch of people were like, oh my God. You're- yeah, Haynes got bought yeah. out. It's not the end of the road for Haynes. We are embarking on an exciting new journey. Contrary to reports, Haynes is not stopping print manuals. Whilst we will no longer publish new print workshop manuals, we will continue to print and publish our huge back catalog. Um, so here's the thing. So they are, you're still going to be able to get a the printed book for right. anything older than today. Yeah, pretty much. But here's that's the, all I'm ever gonna own. <laughs> I know. Uh, or or have to look at a manual for. It. Let's be honest. So I looked up how much these the because you can buy digital manuals of a lot of things too. So the paper manual is like twenty, twenty, twenty-five dollars. Okay. The digital manual, twenty-five dollars. <laughs> so no discount for the digital version. So how am I going to use a digital manual while I'm in my garage working on the car? Because um, I'm usually sitting on the floor doing whatever, breaks, I, whatever. And I hate to say I have moved into the 21st century and I always have an iPad on my workbench. I just don't. I, one stays out there. I don't like that. I like being able to have the book, turn the pages, look, turn the pages, look. It's much easier for me to for me to flip into the index and go, oh, there, boom, book. It's, it's way faster than using an iPad. Plus, I don't have to worry about getting my greasy fingers on an iPad or a computer. Well, my once white iPad is now very not white. I can tell you that much. Well, I usually, when I see somebody that has a manual for their car, I'm like, I kind of look at it and see how dirty it is. Oh, that's your yeah. inde- or like your, yeah, your you benchmark. Can, you can see what people have worked on on their car. I suppose it's literally, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you can look at where the dirty thumb Actually, all you have to pages. do is look at the spline and you can tell which pages are dirty you then. You do that too. For your iPad, what am I supposed to do? For all There's I know, no you could way. be on Pornhub with your dirty, <laughs> with your dirty hands. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, well, dirty yeah. for a different reason. Yeah, so anyway, that's... I mean, that's, but that's the to, to their point about every back catalog is still available. Any car, okay, the majority of cars from today to 2040 or whenever they're still going to be using Hanes, you're not going to be looking up something in a paperwork to fix it. No, probably not. Right? I I'll, I'd be interested to buy, I might buy a manual for like a Tesla or something just to see what that's like. Like, what are the repair No, pro- no you would not. No, I <laughs> that sounds see, terrible. No, I want to see what the, what the repair process is for XYZ that I don't even know exists or breaks or anything. I want to know, how do you fix this stuff? What's involved? What's the process? Like, yeah. how, do you, how do you deal with some of this stuff? I don't know. And well, not die and get, you know, turned into one of those little cartoons where it's like, and your, like, skeleton shows <laughs> through your body. I don't, don't want to be that guy. That would be bad. Um, Chris? Yes? Skateboarding is cool again. 
What do you mean skateboarding school? <laughs> yeah. Electromods, which is a new term, at least to me, are, quote, an increasing popularity and have been embraced by everyone from Aston Martin to Jaguar. So electromods is the new term. They're for- talking about resto mods that have been electrified. Okay, because resto mod didn't necessarily pertain specifically to electric stuff. No, like there's always resto been resto mods where it's like yeah. an old Corvette with a new Corvette drivetrain or right, something. Right. That's so, a resto mod. So this mod. is like a sub... Electromod is, yeah, is like a, a resto mod of, of an old vintage car that's electrified. Okay. Um, quote, however, as we've discussed before at... Oh, no. That's not a quote. That's actually what we have discussed at length. <laughs> That's okay. Keep going. Damn it. All right. So what we, you and I have discussed at length is it's still very complicated to retrofit any classic car to run on electric. We've talked the about this. The drivetrain is so different. You can like get a Nissan Leaf motor from somewhere and then you have to go get the controller from some supplier and then yeah. all the batteries from somewhere else. And it's, it's, it'd Unless be somebody difficult. makes something specifically for your car, like some of the Porsche stuff does or Volkswagen Beetles or whatever, um, which are very convenient because they're rear engine. People really like swapping those. Yeah. And we had uh, the guy from EV West on the podcast. That's right. A while and they ago, are developing that. They're developing that plug that and play stuff. stuff. If that doesn't exist, it's hard. It is difficult. Well, Chris, Zero Labs has come up with the, quote, world's first complete electric platform developed specifically for transforming the most beloved classic gasoline and diesel vehicles into clean energy heroes. Whoa. Clean energy heroes, Chris. My car can be a hero? Yeah, oh, but uh-huh. only if it's electric. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Clean energy hero. I thought you would love that. I love it. At its heart is a skateboard-like chassis that can be modified to fit a number of classic off-roaders. Oh, so this is a truck thing. This is their first foray. This company is into classic Restomod trucks. So, is this- so they're talking Ford Broncos, International Scouts, the old Toyota FJs, and I'm all the Land like Rovers. I'm like a big set screw where you turn it and you slide it in and out to make the wheelbase different. <laughs> You know, like how do you, I know what you mean. Like um, that's a very simplified version of what it must be like. But you have to be able to change the wheelbases and and uh, yeah, and, you you do, but you can't. So, quote: Production is slated to begin next year, and each classic electric platform will include full labor for disassembly, prep, conversion, and testing. Oh, so I give somebody a car and they yes. do it. This no. is not something you buy and do. That, well, then, I know. That's stupid. I want. Well, I would, truth I would, be told, a lot of resto mods are also just checkbook cars that they're handing to someone. I know, but this so stuff, here you go. You can do it with your old FJ. So this is going to start to become more and more common. I would like to see something that I'm sure, I can buy in my. I think EV West is um, more along those lines where you can buy some sort of a chassis or a, a unit to then do yourself. All right. Well, as a boon to free speech, California is no longer going to limit language on personalized <laughs> license plates, which yes! is amazing. <laughs> yeah, because 1972-911 was previously on. Uh, California can enforce a ban on vanity license plate it considers offensive to good taste and decency because that violates freedom of speech. A federal judge ruled Tuesday. Wow. U.S. District Judge John Tagar, hero, ruled in a case filed in March against December of uh, against the Department of Motor Vehicles Director Steve Gordon on behalf of five Californians who were denied permission to put their messages on their personalized license plate. They included a gay man in Oakland who owns a queer folks who owns queer folks records and wanted to use the word queer, but was refused because the DMV said that might be considered insulting. A fan of the rock band Slayer, who was notified that Slayer would be considered threatening, <laughs> aggressive, or hostile. And an army veteran who wanted to know his nickname of and love of wolves with OG Wolf, but was refused because the DMV said the OG might be construed as a reference to original gangster. Oh my goodness. This is like you think you would just not say the F word. I, I or, can't believe or like any really of these stuff. these people that are the ones 
uh, filtering out and just sitting there reading through all these. They're not the people I'd want to hang out with. No, I don't think so. What I think you should do for this is it should be just FCC guidelines. I like if, that. If you can say it on the radio, it can I be on really your I really like that. Plate. Yeah. Can we just do that? That way it's not like F you right. or like F off. Yeah. No, I, I don't I, need to see that. I do like that. You know, as long as it's not obscene. Yeah. As long as it's not obscene. Honestly, I personally don't care if someone has F off on their license plate. Right. But I know that other people just are never going to accept that. So let's compromise. I like FCC, FCC guidelines. Yeah. Um, citing U.S. Supreme Court free speech cases, the judge struck down a DMV standard that said vanity license plate configurations can't, can't carry connotations offensive to good taste and decency, <laughs> which sounds like something the guy learned at church that morning. Well, uh, this, what this is telling us is they are the good taste and decency police. That's true. That's absolutely true. The judge said the personalized... And according were, to you, most people do not have good taste that's, because that's everyone knows true. that Chris should be the judge of good taste and no one else. Ooh, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> the judge said the personalized messages were types of personal expression, not government speech, and therefore regulations governing them must be both viewpoint neutral and reasonable. I don't know what that means. Wow. Um, he noted a 2017 U.S. Supreme Court case allowing an Asian-American rock band to call itself The Slants and saying that the public speech can't be barred because it may offend some people. So... Freedom of speech is like this interesting thing, this construct that a lot of people think you can say whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Yeah, that's not quite it. Hurt their feelings. Now, you cannot yell fire in a crowded theater because you are endangering people. You're endangering people. So you cannot use your speech to endanger others Mm -hmm. or incite violence. Okay, you cannot do those things. That is illegal. You don't want to actually get people hurt. But saying calling your band the slants... It does. You're, you're just maybe hurting someone. I just, feelings. I just got why that's offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez. Well, that's good. If you just now, I mean, if you immediately knew, maybe that was. Yeah. Um, anyway, it says this is a great day for our clients and the 250,000 Californians that seek to express their messages. Freedom of speech is the freedom to be hated for what you say. You should be allowed to say whatever you want and suffer it, the consequences right. of saying it's it. It's not However, speech without repercussion. That's exactly right. You need to. You will face the repercussions of your speech. However silencing people's free speech because you don't like what they're saying is also dangerous. There so was there there was a really interesting case of it was one of the major college campuses like Harvard brought like a well-known neo-Nazi white supremacist to speak. Yeah. Because of free speech as like a basically a demonstration like you can say whatever you want. That must have been a long want. time ago. Oh, it was a long time Because I don't think Harvard's going to be into doing no, that now. But it was basically a demonstration to say, like, look, people can say whatever they want, but they need to then suffer the consequences of what they say. Uh, it's a great day for our clients and 250,000 Californians that seek to express their messages on personalized license plates each year. Vague bans on offensive speech allow bureaucrats to inject their subjective preferences and undermine the rule of law. And I think, imagine applying this to the rest of our life where it's like, hey, if it's if it offends you, maybe you just need to like chill out. You know, remember sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh-huh. Maybe we could all just take a step back and go, this doesn't affect my life. I'm going to let that person do what they want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be the best person I can be. And maybe we don't try to police the people over here and just let them burn on their own. They're going to go to hell. Let them burn on their own. They'll suffer the consequences of their bad behavior in their own life. Chris, what if you're triggered? 
I don't want to go there. All right. Speaking of license plate, Chris, you may remember last year, or it might have been the year before, we talked about these digital license plates. So Reviver is the name of the company and currently offers its digital license plates in California, I think is where it first went uh, legally, I guess, was allowed, and Arizona as well. But legislative hurdles, as you can imagine, have prevented it from moving into other states. So it's basically, if you remember, it's like those e-ink books, right? So think of an e-reader on a license plate where then you display your license plate number. It's the dumbest Why? thing. We talked about this before. It is the dumbest thing. They said, oh, well, it'll actually cut costs in the future because we don't have to print any more license plates. I think that was actually one of their thoughts. But what is kind of cool is, um, let's see. Well, first of all, good news. They're going to be available in Michigan now. Okay, good. How uh, do I hack this to make it say whatever I want? You can. No, uh -huh. you don't even have to hack it. Quote, while the primary purpose of the plate is to display the registration of a vehicle, owners can also display their own messages. How is that legal? The plate can also warn people if the vehicle has been stolen. That's cool. And if the state wants, can even display amber and silver alerts to broadcast information about missing individuals. So, so you're driving on the freeway. Who has access to change this to whatever they want? That's what I don't know. Who has that? Do I, I have think access it's some, to it? it has can to I be, rob a bank and change it? It has to be like GPS coordinated or something where, because if you can change it, you can't change it while you're driving. Or maybe you can, and then they just, it's up to you to do it back, and otherwise you'll get a ticket. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really. I the don't other really problem do. is the basic R plate is sold for $499 oh. with a five-year battery and requires an annual fee of $55 to be paid. Then you also have the... $17.95 a month for 36 months. And it, there's weird subscription services. GPS system is a $600 one. This it's just really, so dumb. Really expensive. I know. And this is coming from a guy who loves vanity plates, Chris. All right. Porsche's biggest selling model in November is... Drums, please. <laughs> what do you think it is? Macan. Wrong. Tycon. It is the Tycon, it's isn't Tycon. it? Although we've yet to see the outright figures for the model, Porsche has confirmed that the Tycon outsold its traditional sales champion, the Macan, mm. last month. Uh, see, they're down close. by 10% uh, year to date or whatever, just because of disaster time, apocalypse. Uh, perhaps more surprisingly, figures obtained by Autocar show the Tycon topped its assigned luxury saloon sales category this year up until October. A total of 1,600 examples were registered in the first nine months of the year compared with a mere 445 Panameras, 607 Mercedes S-Classes, and 901 BMW 7 Series. One possible reason for this is that the S-Class is on its way out. Just, I think it's interesting that the, the Taycan has leapt above all these, not just Porsche, above the Macan, right. but above, you know, the 7 Series S-Class. I think that's That a, is pretty nuts. I think that's a pretty big deal. All right, what else we got? Uh, well, pretty soon you will be able to get paid to snitch on your fellow citizens, Chris. Snitches get stitches, <laughs> in my opinion. That's just, I hate this. Go ahead. All right. So a new bill proposed by Councilman Stephen Levin, who is a Democrat out of Brooklyn, encourages anyone in New York City to report illegally parked cars and in return. Are you telling me that a Democrat from Brooklyn hates cars? Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, in return for... <laughs> Basically, reporting illegally parked cars, whistleblowers would receive part of the fines. Is that what they call them? Whistleblowers. Yes. Okay. Part of the fines paid by the violator. The bill, introduced by Levin and Council Speaker Corey Johnson on November 19th, would increase parking ticket fines. Okay, so not only 
Okay, that's the real. So they're gonna, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you have to pay more, and you then part the, of it yeah. goes to the whistleblower. Yeah, to oh. the snitch. To the snitch. All right. So parking ticket fines are gonna increase from one fifteen to one seventy five. It allows anyone who reports an infraction to receive to receive twenty five percent of the money. There are people that are gonna be wandering around just looking. Think of like Uber drivers. You would make more snitching on license or on uh, legally parked cars than you would for like driving. Unbelievable. The bill quote creates a new violation and civil penalty for hazardous obstruction by a vehicle of a bicycle lane, bus lane, when bus lane restrictions are in effort, sidewalks, crosswalks, or fire hydrant when such vehicle is located within a radial distance of 1,320 feet of a school building entrance or exit. So a quarter mile, 1320 is a quarter, quarter mile. Um, okay. Okay. So the bill's co-sponsors hope the proposed change would improve safety on bike lanes, bus lanes, crosswalks, sidewalks, or fire hydrants, aka, as you said, none, none of the personal vehicle lanes. Yeah. Um, I bet the uh, there's another podcast called The War on Cars. And uh, if you look at their Twitter, you'll just want to shove hot pokers in your eyes. They're just these Brooklyn... They're probably going to like it, huh? Oh, they All love about it. this. They, they probably co-sponsored it. They want a world, and these people want a world where cars not only have to follow rules like this, that they don't exist. They think everybody should condense in these urban centers and ride around bikes and enjoy all these open spaces that, you know, cars, car, murderous cars take up all this real estate and, and land in, in the city. It's, you know, there already are laws about parking and they are enforced. Yeah. Well, and I don't break parking laws because I don't want to get ticketed or towed. Yeah. But I think that New York, in their defense, it'd be York, hard to, it's probably a little out of control. Yeah. You've got a, it's the most populous city in the United States. They're trying to figure out a way to get a hold of the, um, the parking situation. I don't know how you control it, but so, creating an, a creating a snitch <clears throat> industry where there's going to be people walking around with notebooks writing. Oh down no, it's easier plates. than that, Chris. You can do it on your smartphone. According to ABC Seven New York, those who reported parking violators will do so via an online portal. The site will be managed by the Department of Transportation, which then will review each case. Oh no, which which would not could review each case. So you take a picture with your phone, I'm sure, upload it. I'm and sure. Then, yeah. Wow. Vehicles with city issued placards are not exempt under the proposed bill. This caused New York Police Department Sergeant Benev Association, oh, the Benevolent Association, to poke fun at the proposal on Twitter. Quote, imagine if every cop wrote a summons to every vehicle parked illegally or vehicles that violated the vehicle and traffic laws. We would probably bail out New York City, New York Subway, and even feed New the homeless. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, even feed the homeless. Everyone will get exactly what they ask for in a snarky. Just saying, there's way too much of this. There's no way this is ever going to work. Well, if it did work, every single person would be getting a ticket. Yeah, exactly. But did you see, old man? Kujira! 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 You've heard of Godzilla, right? Mm -hmm. The big scary monster that comes out of the water and just destroys Japan. Yeah. Every like 25 years or so when they come out with a new movie. <laughs> um, have you heard of uh, Ford's new Godzilla engine? I did not. No, the only like automotive connection to Godzilla is like the... The Skyline, the Nissan Skyline GTR yeah, was just, always called Godzilla, yeah, that's right? Its, that's its nickname, right? Right, but now Ford- it's Japan, and it came and destroyed everything. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's true, but um, you're saying Ford has a Godzilla right, engine. It is a, it's a V8. It's 7.3 liters. That's um, big. It's, and it replaces the, it's a V8, it replaces the V10, which is a 6.8 oh, right. liter. This is what's going to go in like the E350, 450 vans, yeah. uh, stuff like that. And you can get it as a crate engine. Oh. Purchasing, purchasing a new crate, 7.3 liter Godzilla V8, 
engine direct in from Ford Performance will set you back $8,150. Which isn't bad compared to a lot of crazy yeah, engines I, from the factory. Yeah, they're, uh, a Mustang 5 liter is $9,500. 5.2 XS, which I don't even know what that is, is $22,000. I'm going to guess that's like one of the Shelby engines or something. Even a carbureted 302 runs about uh, $10,000 or more. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is a bargain. It's 430 horsepower, 407 pound-feet of torque. Uh, same spec as the as the old engine, but you know it's it's a V8 instead of a V10, right. which you people are going to want to have the same amount of power anyway. Um, more interestingly, though, um, Ford has revealed is working on an even more powerful variant of its God V8, Godzilla V8, dubbed Megazilla. 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 Despite only being offered as a crate engine for a short time, Ford's Godzilla V8 is already proving to be quite popular. Among the aftermarket scene, and tuners have started to modify it to new heights. The engine is so impressive that at least one tuner has already managed to extract 790 horsepower from it without needing to boost it using a... So that's naturally, naturally aspirated. Aspirated. Wow. Okay? That's naturally aspirated 790 horsepower, 7.3 so liter V8. So that means Megazilla is going to be just a supercharged version. The announcement like was made by Ford's horsepower. performance, Mike Goodwin, during a recent video shared online. During the clip, Goodwin claims that the upgraded engine is known as Megazilla and is a super secret project. Uh, Not anymore. Super uh, secret. He doesn't get it? provide all that many details about the new engine other than confirming it will have more than 430 horsepower. And I'm hoping that we can finally have a car that competes with the Hellcat. They have to be looking at that going, how is Chevy and Ford just letting Dodge do that with that car? Just basically... Take a dump all over their cereal <laughs> every day. Every day, Dodge wakes up, looks at Ford, and goes eh, every single day because they have nothing like this. the 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 new Dodge truck is is better than the Raptor the in many ways. Yep. It's not a better truck, but it's better in many ways. We got the Hellcat, which just basically smears everything all over the wall. It'll be interesting to see if they throw this in a I Mustang mean, or they. Well, they have the Mustang like GT five hundred or something. Yeah, but GT it doesn't have nine hundred horsepower. It's no. It's supposed to be as as Joel and I have told you. It's supposed to be a different class of car. I that's don't want it to, to be, be a, a sports car. Yeah, they can. That's like the versus guy versus a muscle car. That's like the guy that doesn't have as many muscles as the big muscly guy saying, "Well, I'm fast. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I'm, I could I could run away from that guy. It's not how it works. It's, we just it's the muscle. We can, these are muscle cars. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that matters with a muscle car. Is, is horsepower the, or the, not the only thing the number one thing that matters is that number because when you go somewhere and you're like and you roll up your sleeve to flex you better have 790 horsepower tattooed on your bicep that's and Ford and Ford and Chevy have not been doing it yeah gosh I don't know well we'll see what happens with it it's probably a few years down the road is my guess uh Porsche is set to make synthetic fuel for keeping classic cars what? on the road what is that with 70% of the cars the company has ever built still on the road, internal combustion engines won't go away overnight, Porsche CEO Oliver Bloom said in a recent interview with Haggerty. This guy's right up your alley. Yeah, except for no. Um, that's why Porsche is, is researching synthetic fuels. What is the first thing you think of when you think synthetic fuels? I'll tell you what I think. I first word. Ethanol. Expensive. <laughs> that's what I think. And, and ethanol is not a synthetic fuel. That's an organic fuel. It comes from corn. Oh. It's not, it's not synthetic. Interesting. Now I get the distinction. Yeah. We believe that synthetic fuels... So this, this is, is lab, like, grown or lab-created yeah, well, fuel. Correct. We believe that synthetic fuels produced with 100% renewable energy, so basically we have windmills powering these plants that make this synthetic fuel, uh, to be an important element of the future. For this reason, we are conducting research and development activities, Porsche CEO Oliver Bloom told Haggerty. 70% of the cars we have ever built are still on the road. For many years to come, there will be cars powered by the combustion engine. 
So although the project is at the embryonic stage, Bloom's catch the outline of a fuel made by producing hydrogen, capturing carbon from the air, and combining these two elements to keep up with the methanol, which is then transformed into a substitute for gasoline. Keeping greenhouse emissions in check will require making synthetic fuel using wind and solar energy, so the factories would primarily be located in regions that are windy and sunny year-round. We already have a pilot program running historic 911s from the 993 series. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of go, all right, uh, well, that's like... So, I, what, so we're prehistoric. Our cars are literally prehistoric. Right? <laughs> it's a prehistoric car. It's a prehistoric right. Porsche. Uh, with very good, they've, they've gotten very good results. We're also looking for partners. Um, they'll take care of the technology, and at the end, they'll produce the fuel. Our task will be to find the right specifications so that these fuels will be able to run in our combustion engines. Now, I, I, 993 has computers, knock sensors, OC yeah. sensors, MAF sensors. Yes. There's 0% chance this stuff is going to run in our car, in a carbureted car or... Or like I think CIS it actually has car. a better chance of running in our car than that. I don't know, man. We don't have any. What? How are they tuning this? There's got to be something. It's not going to be a direct replacement. It's not going to be a direct replacement for gasoline. There's no. going to have to be some tuning done with the car. There's because even when you run like E85, which is it, there's no way it's going to have. Are they going to be able to synthesize this to the point where it has the same volumetric efficiency at a given octane as gasoline? Sure, for the price. <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. I think we are going to need some years to drop the price. And very realistic prognosis is that our synthetic fuel could be available to the public in about 10 years. There's still a long way to go, but you have to start to do this to reinvent yourself, to invest and to improve the technology. I think there's big potential. In other words, don't ink your 912 flat four out just yet. So what do you think this is going to cost? Wait, why not? Because they're going to come out with this crazy awesome fuel. Oh, so you don't have to convert to the electric. Yeah, you don't have to. I gotcha. Yeah, although most 912s should be ripped out anyway. What do you think this stuff is going to cost without looking ahead? What do you What do you think this? It's got to be expensive. So average, let's say gas. $1.90. We'll give $2 for gasoline for a gallon. Okay, well, at least double. Okay, would so just be four dollars. Okay, but hold on. But it's not volume. Keep in mind that Porsche charges fifty percent more for oil that comes in a classic Porsche oil can. True. Okay. okay. So on top of four dollars, which I thought was exorbitant, it's going to be at least eight dollars. But okay. it's not at volume. Eight dollars at volume. So right now, I, I sky's the limit probably. Cost is also an issue. Bloom said synthetic fuel Porsche is developing cost ten dollars per liter. Okay. which is the equivalent of $37 a gallon. <laughs> Do you realize how that's, that's it would cost very... me $100 to drive to the studio basically right oh. now. Oh, it's yeah, what oh. It's incredibly expensive and this is this is Hold the... on, read ahead. Researchers are working to get the price down to below $2 per liter. So that would get me our our $8 price yeah. that I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Which is still very, very expensive. Yes, it is. I don't see them coming from $40 a gallon down to uh, $8 a gallon in, in a few years. That just doesn't seem reasonable. Um, especially since what's the market for this right now? Gasoline is still available. Why would you buy this? True. You know, where, where are does we? It, does At it what have point like do the we Porsche need? badge on it? So I think what this is going to be is it's going to be like certain gas stations are going to have this. And you can be like, yeah, I've got my... I've got my uh, my 1978, or no, it's going to be your 1993 yeah, 993 it's historic, Carrera 2. Not, not prehistoric. Yeah, I've got my, <laughs> my historic, as monikered by Porsche, I've got yes. my 993. I'm actually running their synthetic fuel along with my, the Porsche Classic approved oil in this car. It's just, it's nonsense. Nobody's going to be using this for decades. Yet, you are the guy that has filled up with race fuel in your car before. 
because it was cool. No, it's because it performs better. My car is runs better on race fuel. Really? I can run more timing. Yeah, oh, okay. Absolutely. You do adjust it. Yeah. You okay, can, I got I've you. got like two little marks. I actually filled it up really? with race gas, drove the shit out of it, turned the timing up till it pinged, backed it off a little bit, and then marked the distributor. Okay, that's cool. And then I dialed it back. And then, but there are some guys out there who like fill up with the race fuel and just think they're going to get better yeah, performance. And then, they're, and then they put it in their car with O2 sensors and then wonder <laughs> yeah. why they have a check engine light. Exactly. Yeah. So Porsche is throwing, uh, sorry, green hydrogen is first generated with wind power. So it is abundant at the site. And then it is combined with CO2 filtered direct from the atmosphere to create a synthetic and renewable methanol that can then be converted into gasoline by a process owned and licensed by Exxon Mobil. Hmm. Burning the synthetic fuel still produces CO2, but much less of it and plus vastly fewer particulates. Porsche is throwing around $20 million uh, euros at the project wow. uh, to begin with and will first use its e-fuel in its motorsport applications in its cars at Porsche Experience Centers like the one at the UK Silverstone Circuit and then possibly in series production cars within a few years. If production can meet demand, which it will not, synthetic fuels <laughs> can use the... Nobody... Why would you use this? Unless you are Unless you want to tell people that you're using this. Well... Why would you use this? It costs... It's super expensive. Well... Why are you going to use this? Um... Would you so let's pretend just for a second that gasoline is starting to go away and they this it's being replaced by this synthetic fuel. Are you paying twenty, thirty dollars a gallon or are you A not driving or B swapping out to an EV? I realistically would have an EV for my normal commute and then I would like very rarely purchase it would still cost really you expensive. forty dollars to drive over here and back home. Yeah, that's not worth it. I'm that's not doing that. That's fucking insane. I'm not doing that. That's absolutely insane. And I mean, this is the kind of thing I talk about where we're going to get priced out of being able to drive these cars. You know, this is just a, like a kind of like, oh, I hope this doesn't really happen where it's the synthetic fuel is what everybody wants. There's going to be an alternative. Be. There's going to be an alternative if the there market is dictates. one. It's called gas. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I think it's still going to be around. Yeah, well, we'll see. The automaker expects, uh, oh, uh, the class, uh, yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, the automaker expects Electrica. Electrica? Electrica? What is Electrica? Is that like Metallica, but it's, no, now Electri it's the new version? Electrica is a record company. Apparently, they have a partnership with Porsche. Nice. <laughs> meanwhile, the automaker expects electrified vehicles to come for 50% of its global sales by 2025. Yeah, we're not surprised by that because everyone else is planning on more than that yeah absolutely all right guys that's all we have for today what have we got going on on monday monday we have a very special history episode it is about a legend of american history i and would I say wanna, a and hero. i want to hear from you guys i want you to listen to the episode on monday and give us your feedback and let you let us know what you think of it and if you want more like that i think it's one of the best episodes um we've ever done jake spent a lot of time putting it together it's it's fantastic, and if you want to hear more like it, please let us know. What is we, the distinction? Why is it different? They'll figure it out. Okay. They'll understand why it's different when they, when they listen to it. Because it's awesome! Yeah, because Jake's not wearing shoes while he did this episode. That's that's probably what ah! <laughs> All right, subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button if you're new to the podcast, and leave us a review. We really love seeing those new reviews come we in. We really appreciate feel good. it. And, uh, Chris sent me one the other day, and it, it gave me the warm fuzzies. It does. We put It's some sort of vindication to, like... People are listening, and yeah. we know people are listening. Yeah, we, we can, can see, see stats, stats, but it's not the same as hearing someone say, that's good. We like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it really does. It, it really does hit home and makes us appreciate you guys knowing that you appreciate us and what we do here. Um, that's all we got for you guys. We'll see you on Monday. Take care. He was a scared boy. She said, see you later, boy. He wasn't cool enough for her.